Southridge. How's everybody doing? I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Pastor Jay, and I'm honored to serve as the executive pastor here at Southridge. Our lead pastor is uh, just finishing up a, a, just a fun family vacation uh, in Hawaii. He's got kids there and now another grandkid, so it's really exciting for him. Uh, so he's been also having some other some fun and just getting refreshed, swimming with sharks, jumping out of planes. Uh, he went skydiving this last week. I told him no swimming with sharks, and then he goes out and jumps out of a plane. So, uh, but um, I'm, I'm glad he's having fun. He deserves it. So he'll be back shortly. He'll be back to start our new series next week, uh, which is Refresh. You'll see an invite in there uh, in your handout. That invite is not a coaster. It's one that you give to a friend, all right? So make sure you do that. Hey, I want to celebrate a couple things, and then we'll conclude our series, Big Questions. Uh, first of all, I want to celebrate that we have a new, uh, new and improved and bigger uh, kids' classroom. It's our classroom one. It's where 56 meets, our fifth and sixth graders. And uh, I just want to give it up to our facilities team. This room looks awesome. Yeah. Uh, now Tim Gintz, Mike Petrovich, and a handful of other guys. And, man, they don't just do that. They do other things. They fix all the stuff that breaks and uh, they, they help me do that, and I just point, and they, they are awesome uh, to do that, because if I was in charge of that, we'd have lots of problems here, so, um, but they do a great job. Thank you, guys. Also, our one campaign is, is ongoing, and this is where we are. We have a property. Um, it's actually where a golf course operates, and we are working to pay that off in the next 18 months. And we started that just a few months ago. And I just want to celebrate kind of where we're at. And uh, this, um, this last month in April, uh, we had $18,733.50 come in. So yeah, isn't that cool? It's awesome. And um, year to date, we have almost just shy of $60,000. So thank you guys for your generosity. Great job. If you want to know more about our one campaign, just outside these doors, we have our info table. At that table, just ask for an info. Uh, just ask for uh, one of our brochures on the one campaign, and they'll, they'll give you one that can give you a little more information about where we're headed, where God's taking us. So it's exciting. Also exciting to uh, be sharing this last question with you. Uh, and this is one of those questions that we saw in different forms that came in because for about three weeks we accepted your questions, and um, each week we were looking at them, and this one just kept coming up in some way, shape, or form, and um, this one really just kind of tugged at my heart, and uh, I know Troy and Danny and our staff just uh, so, um, you know, and I was even praying about this one um, just after... Troy said, hey, I want you to do this one last. Um, and I, I can tell you, I had this, this distinct moment where God dropped the scripture that I'm going to be sharing with you onto my heart. So it's kind of cool when that happens um, because I know that God has specific people in mind when he does that. He knows that the people that are sitting right here, that he knows the things you're going through, the questions that you're asking. And he wants to answer them. So, uh, so anyway, uh, th- here's the question. The question is this. How do I find meaning in life when things seem hopeless? How do I fe- find meaning in life when things seem hopeless? You know, here's the, here's the deal. Everyone searches for meaning at some point in life. 
uh, meaning, purpose, and uh, sometimes it's, it's, it's a long, long stretch of time. It feels like years, and maybe it is. Maybe it's just a season. Uh, for me, I searched for four years of my life trying to figure out what am I, what am I on this earth for? What's, what's the purpose of life? Uh, right after graduating high school, I thought I knew what I was doing. I was going to go after it and uh, went off to college. And from there, it was one change after another. And um, when I first came on staff here, I remember sharing with, with Troy and the rest of the staff at a staff night and talking about all the different things in this journey that got me to this place. And then in that season of about four years, um, and I jumped and hopped around. I was at three different colleges. Um, I had three different majors. I went from political science to criminal justice to religious studies. Um, you know, so I wanted. I, I had. I, I was just trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Uh, I've told them all the different jobs that I've had. I've been working since I was 14 years old, and so I've had lots of jobs. In that four-year stretch, I had a lot of jobs because I was working summer jobs. So. Um, in, in that four years, I worked about 15 different jobs. Um, I worked for a kitchen company, uh, auto magic, full, full service car wash, uh, gates, rubber, hose, and belt company, um, the Black Eyed Pea, uh, that's a restaurant. I didn't work for the band. That would be cooler, though. Uh, uh, I worked for a cemetery. I was a referee uh, for soccer. I worked uh, for Carlos O'Kelly's, you know, the finest Irish Mexican restaurant. So I worked all these different places, and it was me jumping from place to place trying to figure out, God, what, what am I supposed to be doing? And at that point, I didn't have a relationship with God. So I was just trying to figure out on my own. It wasn't until I totally surrendered my life to God who created the universe that I found lasting purpose. And today, I'm not going to focus so much on my story, but I'm going to share um, another exciting story in Scripture uh, here in a few minutes in the book of Acts that will help us answer this question. But first, we're going to look at our key text one last time. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God, after this, we, if you continue to read in that first chapter uh, of Genesis you will see that God spoke everything into existence out of nothingness. He started with this chaotic mass that was dark and formless and created what is magnificent and beautiful. And uh, as I was thinking about starting with just kind of this form of mass and what that must have looked like, uh, how many of you like to, to build things, like build out of Legos or, or use, uh, um, yeah, there's still some kids here. That's okay. All right. I like to build the Legos too with my kids. They love that. How about Play-Doh? All right. Do you have any Play-Doh fans? Awesome. Uh, so, yeah, my, my daughter likes uh, Play-Doh. Um, found out a couple weeks ago my dog likes Play-Doh. He likes to eat Play-Doh. <laughs> And then he colored my lawn. It was it's wonderful. It's very creative. Um, so, but you know, that, that process of taking something that is nothing into something kind of cool. And, um, you know, God, though, he's creative. We have a creative God who loves us and created us. He created the, the universe, the heavens and earth and you. And he did so by starting with a formless and empty world. He brought beauty and fullness out of chaos and emptiness. If you're struggling with a feeling of emptiness or your world seems chaotic, know this. The same God 
can still do that today with your life if you yield to him. With whatever you think feels chaos or, or, or formless or empty, that empty feeling, God can use that. So, first question, why did he create me? We have to start there. If we're going to find meaning, purpose, why did he create me? You can follow along in the handout there in your uh, uh, bulletin. God created you even though he didn't have to. God created you even though he didn't have to. What do I mean by this? Let's look at this verse in Psalm chapter 8. David says this, When I look at this night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? You know, David's question is actually kind of a bit you know, facetious, but it's also revealing when you consider the number of stars in the universe. When you look up at the night sky, and if, if you've ever looked up in a, in a telescope, and, and, and you've seen, now you can, uh, NASA has their picture of the day. If you ever, uh, if you want to follow them, or, or you look online, there's some cool pictures that they'll show you from their magnificent telescopes, and it's just amazing. But you know what? From human, human uh, scientists, what they can ascertain, there are at least... 100 octillion stars in the galaxy, okay? And to give you a little idea of what that is, that's one with 29 zeros after it. That's how many stars that we can see. And what David is saying here, when I look at all these stars that you've set in place, what are mere mortals? What what about me? That you would think of me. But you know what? The Bible tells us that God knows those stars by name. And even with this massive amount of beautiful stars, he still created you and me with a purpose. He did so out of love. And we know this because God is love. Second uh, answer to this question, God knew you before anyone else thought of you. Jeremiah 1.5 says, I knew you before I formed you into your mother's womb. That's what God was saying to the prophet Jeremiah. I knew you long before you were formed in your mother's womb. You know, when I think about this, just a little bit more of my journey, um, you know, my parents divorced when I was very, very young. Um, I was just about one year old. And so part of my search for meaning, I was, always, I was asking, I was wondering, why did all that happen? What happened? And uh, when I was a teenager, a family member, um, kind of innocently but in, in naively explained things to me. And one thing that they they were sharing and part of that story was like you know my my uh brother my older brother is 10 years older than me and my older sister's 14 years older than me and he said you know he's you know this family member said you know jay you weren't supposed to happen you were a mistake and so that kind of set in my heart for for a while wondering what does that mean and it wasn't until uh, looking at the, through the lens of Scripture and knowing who God created me to be, know this very true fact, and maybe this is for someone here today. God doesn't create mistakes. You're not a mistake. You have purpose and meaning. If you, uh, may, maybe you had a similar experience to mine, maybe, maybe you uh, were adopted. Maybe you spent time in the foster care system. Can I tell you this? God does not create mistakes. Very important for you to understand. 
Last thing, God chose to make you part of an eternal plan. In Ephesians 2, verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things, good things, he planned for us long ago. Long ago. Right? Long ago. And for God, long ago means a lot more than what long ago means for us. Okay? Long ago, you're thinking long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. God, long ago, he had a plan for you. For you on this earth to do good things. That should get you a little bit excited about searching and finding this meaning and purpose that he has for you. Now, even with these incredible truths, we've all had these moments, seasons, or these long stretches still wondering, what's the point? What's the point of my life? And today, we're going to look at a powerful account in the book of Acts that describes a handful of people who were struggling to find meaning, and and alongside them were two men who knew exactly what God had planned for their life. So, The search for meaning begins in the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses, we're going to start, and and basically what we're going to do is we're going to read a couple verses, and then I'm going to share, read a couple more verses. We're going to go through this story and just kind of stop along the way, and I'll share my thoughts with you. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. All right, so this this young girl... uh, was actually possessed by a demon, and this demon was actually helping her to tell people, tell people's future. And there were some men who owned her and and used her all for their prime motivation, money. That's what they lived for, and that's what they were using this girl for. And it's important for us to stop here, okay, before we start looking at what happens next. Because there's, there's, there's a really significant thing when we're talking about searching for meaning in this. You know, for the men who are using this girl, the, their motives were clear, money. And see, what motivates us says a lot about who we are and what's in our heart. In your notes there, our motives are a powerful indicator of what is meaningful to us. For Paul and Silas, that's... That's the two guys that we're going to look at here in just a few minutes that this girl was following and, and yelling, and there were some other guys with Paul and Silas. Their motives were pure and clear. Spread the gospel and see lives changed. That was their motive. I want to share with you just uh, kind of one of my heroes in, in history. I like to read about history. And uh, the man I want to talk to you about is Eric Liddell. Anybody seen Chariots of Fire? How many of you seen that movie? Oh, man. You guys need to get on Netflix tonight. Come on. Chariots of Fire, story, uh, true story about Eric Liddell. And he was a runner for Scotland. 
and he, run, he, went, he won a gold medal in the 1924 Paris Olympics. But the story of Chariots of Fire was this true story about how uh, he was a devout Christian, and not only that, he was a missionary's kid and felt like he was called to the mission field. But for some reason, he, I mean, he realized, hey, I can run too. So he was really good at the 100-meter uh, dash, and he was a lock for the gold medal. But the trials for that ended up on a Sunday, which was a day not only that he went to church, but he was starting to speak to people about the gospel. And so he decided, you know what? I can't do the 100 meter. I just can't. I'm not by just principle. That's, that's what he decided. Instead, he said, I'm going to go to the 400 meter because that one's not on that day that I'm usually going to church and telling people about Christ. And so the 400 meter, they're like, I don't think you can, that's not the same race. You're not going to do well. Well, it turns out he won the gold medal. Afterwards, instead of living it up with the fame and, uh, of, of being a gold medalist, he went to China and actually uh, uh, spread the gospel to thousands and thousands of people. But afterwards, and um, he actually died in a concentration camp uh, in 1945. And just an unbelievable life that he lived. His daughter, though, recounted this when they asked about his life, that he wouldn't have won the 100 because he wouldn't have had the same fire and motivation. He was running for God in that race, and that's why he won. The key question, one question I want to talk to you and ask you today is this. What is the fire, the motivation that burns within you? If your fire isn't for a relationship with God, discovering his plan for your life, it will always grow dim. If it's based on things in this world, like we find these, these characters in this story, they were all about money. And we're going to see what the money and the motivation for money did to them. But it can be money, um, it can be your, your career, it can be relationships. There is all kinds of other motivations. And if that's your fire, trust me, it will go dim. If it's based on the things in this world. Now, um, what happens next is Paul kind of gets tired of the demon-possessed fortune teller and turns around and tells her, in the name of Jesus, demon leave her. Let her go. Okay? So that's what happens next. And then we're going to jump ahead to verse 19, and this is what happens. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and, and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. What I want to stop here because the word that's really important here is this, shattered. Shattered. Because here's, here's the reality. For the guys whose motivation was money, and that was their meaning in life, was just getting money and using people for money. Many of the things that we put our hopes in are fragile. They are fragile. So what are you putting your hope in? What are you putting your hope in? Is it other people? Is it your career? Is it money? Is it fame? What are you putting your hope in? Because if it's anything else but in God, putting your only hope in God, the rest of the things 
They are fragile. They will be shattered. Let's keep reading what happens next. Acts 16, 22 through 23. It says, A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. So check this out. Paul and Silas, they are doing God's work. Paul, if you read earlier in the book of Acts, you will find this amazing, amazing story about how Christ changed his life. He went from actually persecuting Christians and having them killed to serving Christ. And actually what you read in majority of the New Testament is because of Paul's work planting churches all over the Roman Empire. And so here he is doing this work that he's been called to do with his buddy Silas. And what happens? They are stripped and beaten and put into prison. Now, Paul and Silas are Roman citizens. What is happening to them isn't legal. Okay, so not only is it difficult, painful, but it's unjust. It shouldn't even be happening. They've just freed a girl who was demon-possessed. They're telling people about Christ, and this is their reward. It's important for us to realize what Paul and Silas experienced is this. Paul and Silas had to endure significant pain for the sake of his purpose. I have to think that they wondered, why is this happening to me? Why isn't God protecting us? And we've all been there. And it may start that cycle of, what's the point of all this? If I'm going to have to go through this, if I have to go through this pain, if things are going to be this difficult serving God, I've done this many times where things don't go well over and over and over again. And you're saying, why me? Why me? And the tendency is this, is we zoom in on this, on this one thing or these, this one month of our life. And we're like, this is so terrible. Why me? So another question, are you zooming in? Are you at a place right now where you feel like things are hopeless and meaningless because you've zoomed in on this one season of life? You've zoomed in on your financial problems. You've zoomed in on just the difficulties that you're experiencing right now. And you're saying, why? What's the point? Why? What's the point of my life if it's going to be like this? Before I follow that up, I want to keep reading here and tell you what happens next. It says that in verse 23, they were put in jail. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks around midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. See, Paul and Silas, they didn't zoom in. They zoomed out. And they zoomed up. They were like, hey, you know what? Instead of looking at the stocks, our wounds, uh, our situation, we're going to start praising God. You see, when we zoom out, we can do that through worship. Worshiping God through our most difficult circumstances. 
Here's what Paul and Silas did. Paul and Silas forgot about what was wrong with their situation and remembered what was right with God. When we're going through difficult seasons and we're asking why, 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 what's the point when we zoom out and we begin to say, God, you are still the God of the universe who created me. You have a purpose and a plan. You love me. You begin to worship him. I think about this and when I read this, and I was reading this again, and this was one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts. I like to think that these two guys, Paul and Silas, were kind of like those American Idol contestants that shouldn't be singing in public, right? That you've seen those tapes, you know, all right? You know, they're just singing and singing. They're out of tune, but they don't care because they love God. And you know what? They know that their life has purpose, even though things aren't going the way they would like them to. Worshiping is zooming out. And it's refocusing on the big picture, on the big God who loves you and sent his son to die for you, the big God who has a great plan for you. Let's keep reading. Let's see what happens next. In Acts 16, verses 26 through 30, it says, Suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open, wide open. We're going to stop there. I want to share a, um, I want to share a picture. This is a couple friends of mine uh, um, and a few people from uh, the church uh, that I used to pastor, New Creation, will recognize them. This is uh, Melissa and Nathan. And about three years ago, uh, they showed up at our church and um, actually, I got a call about them and um, from another minister, retired minister, saying, hey, these kids need some help. And what happened was Nathan, uh, just after they had just got married, um, it was just about three years ago, if I have this right, um, uh, they were just back from their honeymoon. They were out on a golf course golfing together. He was riding in the golf cart, and they turned a corner too sharp as they came back in. And he fell out of the golf cart, and he hit his head on a curb and had a massive brain injury. And um, uh, rushed to the hospital, um, and uh, she was told he might not even live, and if he does, he will be a vegetable. And so when they were, there's a place called QLI here in Omaha. It's one of the finest uh, spinal and spinal cord head injury uh, rehabilitation centers in the country. And so he was brought up here, and you know, we got to know them and, and what was going on in, in their life. And, and I, was, I called them this week just to kind of recount things with them because I wanted to talk about them. They're, they're a great illustration of what I'm going to talk about next. And I said, what was this like when everything goes wrong, when you have your life planned out and everything goes wrong? What is it like? And she said, you know, what was crazy was we had just gotten married. And she said, I practice writing my new last name on all of my husband's medical reports. All of his reports, all the things I had to sign, that's how I learned to write my new last name. You know, and as I thought about them as I read this scripture, because here's the deal, God will shake our foundations in order to shift our focus. 
you know, when I talked about it with them, I said, so, so before this happened, I said, before this happened, what was your relationship with God like? They said, you know, we believed. We would go to church, but we really didn't understand what it meant to trust God with our lives. And I said, so what was your, on a scale of one to 10, how much did you trust God before this? And, and, and Nathan, who uh, bef- before, even when he left, um, you know, a year and a half, two years ago to go back to Missouri, he had just been able to say a couple words, and now he's starting to really talk. And he said, oh, a two. We were at a two. And, and Melissa, right after that, she said, but now we are at 10. We totally trust God. You see, I'm not saying God caused that to happen, but sometimes he allows those things to happen to shift our focus more on him and the things and the plan and the purpose he has for us. Let's continue to read here. Next couple of verses. He assumed the prisoners, the jailer assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You know, when I think about this jailer, and this is, uh, this is one of the things that really came to my mind when I was praying about this question uh, weeks ago, was the jailer. The jailer was ready to take drastic measures. You see, with Roman law, uh, if you allowed prisoners to escape or they escaped on your watch, most likely you would be punished to the measure that those prisoners were going to be punished. So he feared death. He thought, you know what? It's going to happen. I'm going to die. I might as well. I might as well just end this. He was ready to take drastic measures. When I think about Melissa and Nathan, one of the other things that we didn't talk about, but I remembered as I was talking with um, uh, my wife's family about this, is that uh, after this accident happened, and as, as they were telling her that, you know what, Nathan may never be the same again. He may not even live, but if he does, he'll probably just be a vegetable. The medical bills will be crazy. And a nurse actually advised her, she said, you know, you've only been married a month. I would recommend that you divorce him divorce him because then you won't have all the medical bills. Your, your life won't be totally linked just to caring for him. You see, the world we live in says, if things get really difficult, take drastic measures. If your marriage gets really difficult, you should have a divorce. If your career gets really challenging, just quit and start something else. If your life seems very pointless and hopeless, you could just end it. God does want, not want you to take drastic measures. He does not want you to take drastic measures. If you are in a place of hopelessness, if you are at a place where you are depressed and you are wondering, how can I go on? Can I tell you that right now, even though the darkness is thick, I promise you that God is love. God is light, and he has a future that is bright for you. He does. 
don't take drastic measures because you'll miss out on the future that he has planned for you. The world does not see what God sees. What we see is hopeless. God sees as opportunity. What the world sees is a as a as a terrible time and you have to do something about it. God says, "Wait." God says, "Wait." When things seem hopeless, it may be so that you can become totally helpless before him. Totally helpless to say, God, will you save me? You are my only hope now. You see, that difficult time, that difficult season, it may be so that you get to that point that you say, my only hope's in you now, God. I don't have anything else. The other stuff is shattered. And my pride is, I've swallowed it many times. I'm at this place that I need, desperately need you. Trust me, that's exactly where God wants you. Why? So that he can show you exactly what he has planned for you. Exactly what he created you to do. Paul and Silas had difficult moments in the story, but you know what? They found meaning in every one of those moments. From saving a girl that was just for three days, followed around, followed them around yelling behind them. Three days. That must have been difficult. Being beaten, being thrown in prison. And they found meaning in every one of those moments. I believe we can find meaning in every moment in a relationship with God through the power of his Holy Spirit, through the guidance of Scripture. I want to give you just three little two-word phrases to kind of help you on this journey. If you're stuck, if you're still saying, hey, this sounds great, what do I do? What's my next step? Here's just three quick steps. First of all, break it. Like, what? not talking breakdancing. I'm talking, you know, when I, when I said earlier, I said the w- things in this world, it's fragile. The things that you're holding on to tightly, that you're so, you know, like, I don't know if I could live without that. I need this much money. I need this career. And I, I've got to have this, this collection I'm building. Can I tell you something? All of it's going to break sometime if we're talking about the things of this world. So what I want to encourage you to do is if you have stuff, things, money, whatever it is that's holding on to you and that's your purpose and meaning and life and it is, it is stealing from what God is wanting you to do and you know it in your heart, break it yourself. Be the one that says, I'm going to sell all that stuff. I'm going to say... Maybe it's time for a new career because that one is actually killing me. It's not right for me. I know it. Whatever it is, whatever is temporary and fragile that is too much, break it. Second thing is this. Sing loudly. Sing loudly. How many of you have people in your house that love to sing loud, right? 
Okay. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. But you know what? That person that you're like, yeah, I've got that person, yeah. That person, they may be a little bit more in tune with their meaning in life than you. Especially if they're worshiping. Because they are like, man, I'm loving life. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing a new song. When I was thinking about this, I had to think about my grandfather. I'll show you a picture of my grandfather here and me. Yeah. I wish I still had that Pac-Man hat, though. It's pretty cool. My grandfather was uh, an ordained minister, was ordained in 1940. He was a minister. Uh, man, he was ministering till the day he died when he was 95 years old. And for his last, last year of his life, he was... He was in a nursing home um, and um, my, in, in Florida. With, my aunt was overseeing it. And, um, and she told me I would call and just say, how's he doing? And, and I knew that his memory was starting to go. A little bit of dimension was, was coming in. But she said, you know, I talked to the, the nurses at the nursing home. And they said they all have a name for him. And he's the preacher. I said, oh, did they know he was a pastor his whole life? I said, no. He walks the halls. And he sang loudly the hymns from church, and he preached sermons that he could still remember. The meaning and purpose that my grandfather had for his life and he would do that when I was a kid. He would, we'd just be walking around somewhere and just start singing. He'd just start singing. I'm like, why are you singing this song? Because they had the joy of the Lord in his heart. This meaning and purpose was so woven into his heart and his mind that with his last breaths, he was singing and preaching loudly in the halls of a nursing home. And who knows what God did through those last memories. Sing loudly. In your darkest moments, will you sing? Will you sing when the shackles are on? I challenge you to do so. You will find meaning in every single moment. The last thing is this. Think legacy. The one person I haven't talked very much about in this story is Silas. You see, Silas... We see in the book of Acts, we see him mentioned in a couple letters. And the description for Silas is this. He was a faithful brother. He was faithful. He locked arms with Paul and said, I'm with you, man, wherever. Wherever God's telling us to go, I'm here to support you. I'm here to help you. He was the faithful brother. I encourage you to think about this. If you're trying to find meaning and purpose, faithfully serve God. Faithfully serve your family. Faithfully do what God has called us to do. As Jesus said, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Faithfully do those things and just wait and see what he will do through those things. Just being faithful and leaving a legacy, doing that kind of stuff. As I conclude, I want to read you the last part of this story. Starting with verse 31, it says, 
Paul and Silas replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord and with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at, this, at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Is it possible that the question you're asking, if you have been asking, what is the point? What is the meaning for this season? What is it? Why is it that I am going through all of this difficult difficulty? Is it possible that the pain, the wandering, the searching is so that God could radically change your life and the life and the lives that are around you? Is it possible? The answer is yes. Just like in the story that everything that Paul and Silas went through, God used it for a jailer and his family and maybe the families around them. All of it, all of it, so God could change their lives. It's possible. It's very possible. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that you created the universe, the moon, the stars, and everything else we look at as we look up in the night sky. But God, care so much and out of love you created us mere mortals but you know what you have a plan for our lives we are masterpieces you have designed us for specific purposes and plans to understand that plan to get a grip on what that is it starts with a relationship with your son Jesus Christ if you're here today and you want to start a new journey. If you want to stop searching and start living for God with all of your life, with all of your heart, it's a simple prayer that you can just pray right now with me. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. Please forgive me. And I believe you rose again change my life. I want to live for you from this point forward. If you made that prayer, if you, if you said that prayer right now in your heart and in your mind, whether for the first time or the first time in a long time, I want you to raise up your hand right now and own it and say, that was me. Yes. Yes. Great. Yes. If you're here today and you're saying, I'm in one of those seasons, Pastor Jay, and I, I want to start finding meaning in every moment. And I just want the power of the Holy Spirit to nudge me and to help me so that I can sing loudly and I can break the things that don't belong in my life. I need his strength to find meaning. That's me. Just raise up your hand saying, I need that right now. Yes. Right. Hands all over. All right. God, I thank you. I thank you that you care so much about us, that in these moments you have a plan. Part of that plan was was to just wake us up a little bit. And for those who are searching and wondering and waiting, help them, Lord, giving them words in their heart, words through Scripture. And, Lord, do great things through them. 
In Jesus' name.